0: everybody and welcome to the unofficial elder scrolls podcast i am your host as always pylon and we have a very very special episode with you tonight we are doing a little bit of a pride themed episode which i had thought about doing earlier and then i don't know why it kept getting bumped i think the graymore release date and all of that kept moving up so we're doing our special pride episode literally at the end of june when we were able to do it but maybe we'll just throw our own Pride Day throughout the year, so we don't have to follow the standard there. Uh, But I want to make a very special welcome to two of our guests. We have Tori Schaefer and Dro, who are going to be joining us tonight. And they graciously, at the last minute, offered to come join us and talk about uh, LGBTQ plus representation in the world of Elder Scrolls. Uh, So Tori, who you may know, is one of the former narrative designers. Is that correct, Tori? Yeah, writer,
1: writer and narrative designer, yep.
0: Okay, is there a difference between a writer and a narrative designer?
1: A writer writes, like, the words. A narrative designer kind of concepts out, like, how that story will be told to the player. So a narrative designer at ESO would work together with the content designers who are kind of, like, in charge of... Like, not in charge of everything, but kind of, like, putting everything together, whereas I would concentrate on giving input to the story and the characters and things like that. Um, sometimes narrative designer and content designer is used interchangeably within the industry, but I, I, at yeah, ESO, I, I worked with the content designers as the person, like, this is how I think the story should be presented and, and looking out for the story and the characters uh, throughout the awesome. quest. <laughs>
0: yeah Yeah, so as tori mentioned there that she worked on elder scrolls i believe we were saying before you started just before morrowind came Mm -hmm. out and then you left just after the elsewhere dlcs came out is that correct yeah awesome i'm gonna keep asking if things are correct just so i don't make like patently false (laughs) statements sometime throughout the night and just uh throw everything (laughs) out of the water here
1: you're fine yeah
0: Awesome. And Dro, do you, Dro may be a face that anybody familiar with UESP recognizes a little bit, but Dro, do you want to let us know a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I have, I was a US, um, I'm sorry. I was an ESO player, uh, from beta. I've been lapsed for some time, but, uh, I called UESP home for, uh, for quite a while and still do, even though I haven't been in the game proper. Um, so, and I'm just thrilled and honored to be back doing this with, with y'all. It's a fun, fun fact, Dro yes. was the
0: mastermind behind the uh, Dungeon Help Night. You said that was your baby yeah. that you kind of helped out, so. Sidrethi
2: and I started, we we uh, sort of inaugurated that and kicked that off. So yeah, I was really, really proud of that um, and loved it. It was my favorite thing to do when I was uh, active in the guild. That's so exciting. I love Dungeon Help Night. It's just such a... Wholesome, great activity. Where if
0: you, anybody doesn't know, Dungeon Help Night. Basically, if any new players mm-hmm. or players a long time that just aren't great at the game, like myself, uh want help learning how to do mechanics, doing things in dungeons, they just send one of the leaders of the guild a message, and then on Wednesday nights, the guild will help them run through, teach them the mechanics, and just try to like encourage them and to be able to do things better. So, I think it's an awesome thing. I wish more people did it,
2: but. For sure. And we always gave priority, like I always wanted to give priority to folks who maybe never joined a group before, maybe had never done a dungeon before, maybe were scared about what would happen if they got into a group with strangers and suddenly felt a lot of pressure. It was like, there's no pressure, there's no, you know, just we're here to make you feel comfortable. So that's what I loved about it.
3: Awesome. I've been running those the past few weeks, and that's definitely been my experience with them. It's a very... <clears throat> relaxed and a good opportunity to actually get into them like uh i this was my real first step into uh pvp well player uh group player versus environment content and i've been i've done like 20 30 since you guys got me started a few weeks ago with it.
0: Awesome. And that incorporeal voice that you hear is AKB. And since we're doing everybody else's introductions, AKB, do you want to tell everybody who you are and what you do?
3: I am AKB. I'm an admin for the UESB. I've been doing that for about 10 years. I've had my hands in our wiki, forums, blog, our, our old IRC before that went away, our Discord, our social media pages, Facebook. Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch. I don't think I'm missing one of them. Uh, it, it would be like f- at this point uh, forgetting the names of one of your kids if I forgot one right here.
0: <laughs> I constantly with my kids call them the wrong names, so that's not that's not too bad of a thing if you just <laughs> forget one. It's just like yeah, their names kind of just meld together at this point where like they do something wrong, and you're like rah, 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 rah. so.
3: Yeah, but I've had my hands in. A lot of UESP projects over the years, and I intend to keep sticking with the UESP for the foreseeable future.
0: Awesome! And last but not least, Baratron is back with us again. How's it going, Baratron? Do you want to tell everybody who you are, unless you need me to prompt you with questions I'm, about who I'm you Baratron. are? I'm but... Baratron.
4: Yeah, I, I remember who I am this week. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm a Discord admin. I'm also the uh, guild master of the. UESP Guild on the PCNA Guild, Um, I also play a bit on PCEU, and do a bit of streaming, a little bit of social media as well. If you see tweets about ESO, it's probably me, whereas AKB does all the, all the, you know, did you know? And here is a fact from the wiki.
0: And the memes. You can't forget the memes. Yeah.
4: Yeah. He does all the pre-planned stuff, and I do the, whoa, a thing just happened. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, especially the, ES, uh, the ESO lives. Baratron's mm-hmm. usually running rap- rampantly through those, trying to tweet out as people say things. So
3: Yeah, it, it's a funny story with those. I uh, just randomly asked uh, Baratron and Alara, hey, could you r- do this one for me? Because I started doing them a while ago, and I had something to do, and I believe Baratron really enjoyed it.
4: It was fun. Yeah, It, it, oh, it is fun, fun. Yeah. live tweeting. So I got into it as a, this is a thing I, you know, and, and it's a thing I can do to help UESP that I actually enjoy, and that's always, always oh. the best. It, because uh, nobody wants to go do voluntary work that I don't enjoy.
3: With a, how Twitch is too, uh, a good few of those streams that we recorded, that's probably the main recording of them that we have easy access to. So it it is a very valuable service to uh, our knowledge base.
0: Very good. I'm glad everybody is enjoying it. Uh, With that, why don't we go and talk about the news? So unfortunately with the news, we have a a topic that I, I, I really don't like to bring up. Uh, and talk about, but I felt it was important that we kind of address it as the UESP today. So uh, over the course of the weekend, uh, there were some major issues brought up uh, with some members of the ESO stream team. Uh, I'm sure many people who are listening are aware of what happened, but just in case you aren't aware, uh, one of the stream team members, Kyle Dempster, was involved in an issue with harassment of other members in the community and releasing a list of people who were involved in that incident uh, with some private and personal information on it. Since then, ZeniMax Online removed Kyle from the stream team and has contacted everyone whose private information may have been leaked. Uh, if you have not been contacted, you don't have to worry that there was nothing about you leaked. You don't have to worry about anything. But if you were contacted, we're very sorry that you had to deal with that. Uh, just talking about that, we just want to make it very clear that at the USP, we do not condone any of the harassment or doxing or anything that happened in this event. It's it's a shame to me personally, like after reading that, it was, it was a very heavy day reading all of those things over and just being just disappointed with something as we were talking about, like the ESO community has always been a family. And I know the ESO fam hashtag sometimes gets joked about, but it's, it's something that really has felt like a home and a family to me. So when we see attacks on people in those family and things like that, it doesn't just hurt the people that are attacked. It, it degrades the community as a whole. And at USP, that's our entire purpose, is to help build up the community around the Elder Scrolls games, and ESO is a big part of that. So we just want to let everybody know that we are going to be distancing ourselves from Kyle and any of the actions in the future, professionally and personally amongst myself. I know we've mentioned him in the past on the podcast and in the streams and talked about him as a person, but we just we don't accept any of that behavior. That is completely off base for us. So we don't wanna talk too much more about it. Um, If anybody has any questions, feel free to send me a message. I'm happy to talk. If anybody's just needs to talk about anything, my DMs are always open. Uh, But on behalf of that, that's kind of all we really wanna talk about for tonight on that. So we wanna talk about more fun things and exciting things and kind of celebrate the ESO community, uh, which is what we'll be doing in a little bit. Uh, We do have a few changes for USP we do wanna bring up. Uh akb do you want to talk a little bit about the graph extension that's coming on the wiki
3: yes uh we have a graph extension now that took a lot of wiki updates to become available it's actually was surprising how uh how much uh technical work uh getting graphs like i think we've been waiting on that for like three years yeah we can do graphs on the wiki now natively instead of having to do pictures uh so what do you mean by that
0: like what graphs of what what can we do
3: uh we have graphs of say demographics in skyrim oblivion morrowind of the different npcs that were in the game that sort of thing those are just pictures those were just pictures as they were Uh, now we can do an actual legitimate graph uh that's supported by the software so it's easy to edit We can expand that to other things that obviously need graphs, like, hey, we can make a quick graph showing uh, how damage rises over different types uh, as you level, that sort of stuff.
0: Awesome, that's exciting. Um, Another note on UESP news is AKB and Kiz's streams had to be cancelled this week because we somehow broke Kiz's microphone. Uh, so if you were hoping to tune into those, I'm sorry, they won't be available. But Avron, who streamed today, uh, she was doing some PvP events, will be streaming for the rest of the week. Not the I'll rest also, of the week, a couple more times. And AKB I'll... will be doing some solo stuff as well. So yeah. until Kiz gets his microphone fixed, we'll miss
3: him. Uh, this will take longer than we might expect, because as we check today, <laughs> we we tried to get this self today, by the way. This isn't like we're telling you, well, Kiz is gone for months, but... Because we don't want to get a new mic we wanted to there's no mics available for what we need uh, they're yeah. they're all sold out
0: the pandemic <laughs> the pandemic everybody's working from home so everybody went out and bought microphones so everyone wanted work. a fa-
3: fancy mic
0: and now there's no like it's uh-huh. they're just out of stock in britain so all right let
4: me see let me see if i can do something because i might be able to borrow another microphone from my husband's band
0: oh that's good to know
4: yeah because that's that's what i'm using so Talk to me later.
0: Awesome. Well, speaking of asking you things, Baratron, do you want to go over what happened in ESO this week?
4: <laughs> <laughs> Segway! Yeah. So there are uh, patch notes today, the new patch for PC and Mac, um, some fixes for Stalia, performance issues there, some bug fixes mostly for Antiquities. Uh, they've also fixed what they referred to as a frame rate stutter. Which could occur when updating skill experience or rank. Now, this was actually a major, major source of lag, especially in uh, you know areas like trials where you have got a lot of trash mobs that are dying relatively fast because this frame rate issue could happen every single time you killed a monster. So oh. uh, apparently it's fixed. That we'll explains
0: so much of what was happening then.
4: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Now. Harrowstorms, um, Finn, the... Oh, what's, what's his new job title again? He has the... Uh, lead encounter designer. Yes. Yep. yep. Uh, wanted to address some of the pain points with Harrowstorms. So the uh, Harrowstorms, which are the, uh, the dolmen type event in Western Skyrim and Blackreach, they will now respawn much more quickly. And the daily quest only requires one to be completed instead of three. And apparently it's giving... More uh, golden experience as well now awesome. the, the exciting and unprecedented do really like okay it's a, it's an incremental patch what can be exciting but they have actually added new way shrines there are two new way shrines in western Skyrim and this you know to my knowledge and I, i've been playing this game a long time i've got pretty good memory for it as far as i'm aware this is utterly unprecedented uh the only way shrine change that i've ever seen in an existing zone. <clears throat> rather than a zone that was on PTS, you know, it's an existing zone, was when the Mournhold Waste Shrine was moved from the island in the middle of the lake, kind of by where the Undaunted Enclave is, into the city, uh, which happened when, when Guild Traders were added. And you can still see the opposition position in uh, one of the Dishan loading screens. And I'm like,
1: they added new waste
4: shrines. Wow. Uh, because there, there were parts of the Western Skyrim map that were an absolute pain to get to. There was this area over the top to the north. That had nothing, until. yeah.
0: We've talked about that a few times. On we the podcast a few already. times,
4: yes, a few times. Okay, shall I continue? Midian Mayhem is still going on, that's our uh ESO-, ESO PvP event. It's going on until Tuesday, the 7th of July at 10 a.m. DT or 2 p.m. GMT. You can get two lots of two tickets per day, uh, two tickets for any Cyrodiil or battlegrounds daily quest completion two tickets for any Imperial City district daily quest completion. And remember, they've changed how those Imperial City daily quests work so you no longer have to complete the entire Imperial City story first. Just go straight in, do the daily quests. Awesome. Uh, The event ticket timer resets at 1 EDT each morning. Uh, (laughs) Now, this is funny. (laughs) They opened some extra campaigns to make it easier for people to get into Cyrodiil during the... PvP event because of course if you use the scroll of pelonors ferocity ferocity that's the right word you get a uh, double AP double mm. alliance point so obviously people who, who do PvP are like really really anxious to, to to play as much as possible so they opened some extra campaigns so there were you know capacity there but the Murray house campaign on pcNA and EU had some issues with missing gates now one of my friends was in there on uh, saturday and he wandered up to Arius keep and it had no front door and i was like what do you mean it had no front door you know had somebody seated already and he said no there was no front door i was like was it invisible no it just wasn't there (laughs) okay then so so yeah um obviously (laughs) because i'm missing gates some of the keeps way too easy to take so they had to (laughs) close that campaign why it was only in one campaign uh, i just don't ask me
2: that's the that, easy mode campaign. No, that was my campaign too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> awesome. Uh, Dro actually found out this little bit of news and went in and did it. Uh, there's a free Infernium Dwarven Spiderling. Free Infernium Dwarven Spiderling pet. I'm not going to try to say that again. Uh, if you opt into marketing emails and verify your address. So it's a Dwemer. or Dweamer. I did it again. Dwemer. Dwemer spider on fire. I don't know why. Ever since last week, I can't stop saying Dweamer and I don't know why. (coughs) I normally don't, but I don't know. Uh, If you're in the EU, you'll receive an email with a verification link. Uh, You just need to click it. If you're in the US, it should just happen automatically. Uh, And you have to do this by July 1st, so you have like two days. So make sure you have verified your email within the next two days.
4: Specifically at the very odd time of 2.59am EDT, which is uh, 06:59 GMT. So it's, will... it's not just July the 1st, it's July the 1st at a very odd time in the
0: world. Yeah, everything has a different time.
2: It's not
4: funny. the standard time of 10 a.m. EDT. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's Midnight Pacific, right? right yeah, I guess. I guess so,
4: yeah.
0: The, I, I'm i trying to figure out how on earth... I was like, no, that won't work. I was like, well, maybe their like, marketing office is in pacific coast but i'm pretty sure it's not so i have no idea what no Tori shaking her head no she's <laughs> <No. laughs> like no i will never understand why everything has to have a different end time like i would love it if there was just like everything at eso ends at 10 a.m <laughs> done
4: yeah i can cope with the 10 a.m it's yeah. when it's all kinds of
0: uh, oh well It's not the, it's such a minor thing to complain about, but it's just funny.
4: Oh, hey, you're being, you're being trolled in chat here. strider said, behold, my newest creation, the Dwemer Screamer. The
0: Dwemer Screamer. (laughs) What?
2: What? Pylon pronounced something wrong? (laughs) Tamriel's first roller coaster, I think, is that. Can you
4: imagine making a roller coaster out of all the Dwemer Automaton stuff? Okay. I wonder if that should be to do that. should be a housing
0: project for somebody That boss. should be. That's it. That, that would is. be so good.
4: Speaking of which...
0: <laughs> Speaking of which, if you want to win the Graymore Home Decorating Contest, uh, it is still running until July 3rd. You need to submit your entry via the form attached to the article, which you upload a screenshot. Uh, the two themes are a home fit for a vampire and a Nord homestead. So I don't think any of those really fit my Dwemer... Uh, no, roller coaster idea but <laughs> i mean a vampire might like a roller coaster so it's a home fit for me.
4: <laughs> jay hart Ellis is one of the is one of the judges he he gave us a nice raid before we started uh he's always very into very very into the housing stuff so okay so I jay hart suggest, roller I'll coaster should win him, yeah well yeah. maybe roller coaster is another as <laughs> a future event.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna submit that as an idea, like roller coasters or steampunk theme. Yeah, we can make some fun stuff. Uh, some of the prizes include Greymore Digital Collector's Edition crowns and a music box of your choice, and the grand prize winners also get a house of their choice with additional furnishings. So that's exciting that's cool. going on in
2: ESO. Since- and you can use you can oh. use any um, you can use any house you want to as your. Uh-
4: yeah it's just yeah. a single screenshot so so you put okay. everything you want to show into the one screenshot and send that off and they're not going to visit the houses that sounds yeah. so because much more stressful
0: to many me. houses that sounds like so much more stressful to me though than but just they, a house
1: they get <laughs> really creative with it oh i like, know I, yeah like 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 the the screenshot like what angle you take what lighting you yeah. use it's a huge part of the presentation yeah uh, it's just... like like when voting for like which one you like the best <laughs>
0: I love that. It'll mm-hmm. be one of the ones too. Like, it'll be like, just don't look at it from behind. Like you go to someone's house and from behind, they're like, wait, that's, that's not right, but <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So make sure you have a little bit of time left to enter. So if you ha- want to win, they have to try. So go through that article. I think, did anybody link it? No, we didn't. I will look.
4: just do that now.
0: Perfect. Thank you. Thinking now. Um Since Alara and Lost aren't here, uh, I'll try to cover the legends news. Um, there was a new monthly card, uh, the Dragonfire Wizard, which is a three-cost Imperial imperial Mage um, with two power and three health, and its ability is, at the end of your turn, add a Flame. Last gasp, get Flame Lash, a one-cost action that does damage equal to the number of flames. So that's an interesting card. I, I don't know. I'd have to figure out more about that. We'll ask Alara Lost if they've had a chance to do some thinking about how that card would work. Um, As well, in typical UESP podcast news, there was a Legends event over the weekend, which we missed because they announced them on Thursdays and they're over by Monday morning. Uh, But there was a Grand uh, Melee, which I think I predicted.
4: You did, actually. I did predict that there would be a Grand Melee
0: this weekend. Uh, There was a Fighters Guild card back for participation. So I don't know. Maybe I got to start predicting these from now on. That's very cool.
4: Whenever, whenever Legends has an event called the Grand Melee, I always hear it in the um the the that announcement. in Smash Bros. No, 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 in um Blessed Crucible.
0: And oh, now for the Grand um, Melee! Melee.
4: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I feel
2: that. I can feel that.
4: I literally can't read Grand Melee without hearing it like that.
2: That's so funny. I thought you were gonna say Hyeth from Battle uh, Dragon Star Arena. But yeah, the Blessed Crucible's better. <laughs> I feel like, for
0: some reason, I got Blessed Crucible, like, 12 times, like, two weeks ago, in a row, when I was doing Random Dungeon Finder. So that's, like, burned into my brain.
4: Was it the Pledge? Maybe? Yeah, because when it's the Pledge, you get it a you lot. You get it a lot, yeah. Because you got people with Pledge um groups.
0: Called Arm News, they released a new development blog but we're not going to talk about that because we're actually going to do that next week on the podcast. We're going to Lost in Hyrule ran through the actual uh, one of the delves in full, so he's going to give us a little bit of a conversation about what happened, how he felt about it, and we're going to kind of go through a lot of the different things there. So we'll talk about that next week. And does anybody know if the Elder Scrolls games are still on sale on
3: Steam?
5: Ooh. I don't know.
3: Uh, they're going, they, they should they... be on sale until the end of the... This... Uh, Steam Summer Sale itself—that's the new way they've been doing it for yeah. about the past two years. Yeah, so it should I, be about another week or so.
2: I've got Steam open. There, they are. their uh, ESO is eight dollars for everything. ESO through, is eight through dollars. Yeah, for everything through, uh, including Morrowind. And Go then, buy uh, ESO if you don't have it, because eight dollars is
0: one hundred percent worth it for the amount of content that you get with that. Oh,
4: yeah, for
2: sure. Skyrim Special Edition is sixteen.
4: It looks like there's a bundle as well that's Morrowind, Oblivion, and Skyrim, uh, Game of the Year editions, which is oh, oh sorry, I'm in pounds, but it's eighteen thirty-three in pounds. So yeah. uh, what's that in? Oh, I don't know, twenty-five dollars maybe?
2: Around twenty-four in U.S. Yeah. Yeah. Morrowind is four fifty. I mean, that's that's just you're losing money to not buy that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So yeah, make sure you check those
0: out. Uh, But now, why don't we thank some people who have helped make this podcast possible. So this is just a quick segment where we get a chance to thank all the people that have helped us out either financially or through reviews or for just helping out on the wiki. Uh, So I want to thank everybody who supported us on Patreon. And our newest patrons are Melissa and David Prestosa. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon. So as a reminder, you can always help us out that way. uh, Patreon.com slash UESP. Uh, We have a number of different tiers with some different uh, cool benefits there. Uh, Even the lowest tier, though, helps you remove uh, ads from the wiki. So if you want to have that ad-free life, you can support us on Patreon and not have to worry about ads anymore. Uh, I also want to thank our newest Twitch subscriber, RealRedWolf49. Thank you so much. Um, and as we spoke about earlier, we want to thank uh, Wiki user DCSG uh, for all the work they did on the new graph extension that we were talking about. That basically wouldn't exist without them doing all the amount of work that they did. So we really appreciate that. Um, and since it is mid year mayhem, I think Baratron wanted to give a shout out to some of our UESP guild members.
4: Yes, new emperors. Uh, got
0: emperors. A bunch of
4: people. From, yeah, got a bunch of people from the guild who have been working very hard. So uh, over the past, you know, as long as ESO existed, as far as I know, we've had four um, emperors who were Half-Troll, Drakas Volar, Deandra, and Royal Tomberi. Uh But during Mid-Year <laughs> Mayhem, we've got another six who are Altaria the Dragon, Avron, John Law, Sidrethi and Tedford, all on PCNA, and Naga007 on Xbox NA. So congratulations to all of them.
0: Yeah, congrats. That's, that's something, awesome. Well done. That's something I've always thought I'm like, oh, I should start working on this. And then as soon as I realize how much work is involved in it, I just kind of back away and remind myself that I'm terrible at PvP.
1: Here's an Emperor fun fact. Ooh. If you guys talk to some of the gladiators outside of the PvP arenas in Morrowind, you actually, if you're the Emperor, they will address you as such.
2: Really? Uh, oh, that's,
1: that's awesome.
0: I never yeah. <laughs> knew that.
1: I, yeah, because you have to be the Emperor to do it. So I fair. It's ever been, I don't know if anybody has ever been the Emperor and talked to these NPCs, but they have lines for you if you do. So, that's oh, so
0: yeah. exciting. We need to go find out.
1: We need to add that to the wiki as well. Yeah,
0: we do need to add that. <laughs> nice little bit of trivia with Tori here. I
4: like yeah. Really cool. The more you know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I like it. We did a graphic for that. Um, <laughs> awesome. Well, why don't we talk about the things that we've been up to?
1: I was I was gonna discuss uh my latest journey in gaming, which is going through the Final Fantasy franchise. Uh, it's the most exciting thing in my life. I mean, my five year anniversary with my husband was uh yesterday as well, which is you know. Very oh congratulations. Big, yeah. Um yeah, so I've been playing through Final <laughs> Fantasy. Uh I'm on thirteen now. So awesome. I'm chucking along. Yeah. So so which which game did you start at? So I played 1, 2, 3 in college, and then I took a break, and then I played Final Fantasy 7 Remake, and that got me like reinvigorated in the series, so I started on 4, I watched 5 and 6, and 7 original, and then I played 8 through 13, besides 11, because it's hard to get through 11, so yeah.
0: Okay, <laughs> I have Fantasy. something to admit. I've never played a single Final Fantasy game in my entire life.
1: Either
0: have I. If I wanted to start, where should I start?
1: If you want to go through like the old school like Crystal JRPG, Chronicles. I would say okay, <laughs> Crystal Crackles is amazing as well, and that's coming out in August, the remaster. Very excited. But if you want to like the old JRPG kind of style, I would start with Nine because it kind okay. of is a callback to that, and then this might be like.
0: I'm writing the Ten down.
1: would be what I would start with if you want a more modern taste. I love the combat in ten, but there's I mean, there's like some things about ten that I wasn't happy about. But I love the combat in ten. It's very fun and flash and fluid if you want that kind of like modern day final fantasy feel um i mean you can play through eight and eight remake is really nice because you can just if you like don't like the combat like i kind of did it you can just cheat your way through and just like see what the comments about and the story but nine and ten were the ones i really enjoyed playing through naturally and uh that's those are the two that i would recommend starting with uh, depending on like which which flavor you want to want to start with yeah
0: okay this is good to know yeah because it's one one of those games i never had playstation anything growing up so i never really was exposed to it too too much i remember at one time our friends were trying to decide between a final fantasy game and then this random game called legends of dragoon and we picked that game which meant that i never got to try for the rest of my life a single final fantasy game because of that one life choice uh which is kind of (laughs) funny looking back on but okay that's awesome
2: if, so, you, if you can stomach, if you can stomach the ones that are a little bit older, um, five and six are really, really good. Those are probably my favorite two in the series. They were originally sixteen-bit uh, games. Um, the mobile and Steam ports are not very good, but if you can, I was gonna get say, how do on... I,
0: how do I play this?
2: I yeah. don't own a PlayStation right now. If you can get your hands on, um, like a an older version, um, I mean, D- the, the Boy Advance I, version. I recommend yeah.
3: you get PlayStation.
2: Yeah, <laughs> AKB's getting the, me a PlayStation. That's what the, I heard from that. The old PlayStation, the PlayStation ports aren't bad, but they that those that version suffers from load, load times, and it makes it a bit more of a drag to play. Um, I agree with Tori that the GBA versions are very good. Okay. Um, yeah, there's also really good. I don't know if anyone has a PSP anymore, but there's really good PSP versions of Final Fantasy One and Two and Four. <laughs> so.
1: I also would suggest the th- So I would say. 3D, the DS remake of 3 was really fun and when I remember it from college, it's like has the, if you've ever seen or played Bravely Default, it kind of takes, Bravely Default takes a lot from that where you can like give your crystal warriors different like outfits and they're very cute because they're like little DS guys. I very much enjoy that. So if you want to play like something like oh no, that's one hundred percent what I want to play. Newer <laughs> graphics and if you have a DS, I would totally recommend playing through that. Um, four is also pretty good with that too. Like they update, they have voice acting, they updated the graphics yeah. and stuff, but it's still the old kind of systems and yeah. dungeons. It's just everything's kind of upgraded. old school
2: hard too. The DS version of Final Fantasy Four is hard. Three too. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I killed so many moon sandworms. I killed so many. <laughs> That's the JRPG. Like those, those games you like definitely yeah. have to grind to yeah. like get yeah. yeah. I mean I think every final fantasy there's a point where you have to grind, but the the further you get, the closer you get to the modern day date the less you have to grind,
0: I yeah. find so. That's kind of all like RPGs, they kind of like <laughs> they've kind of made them easier for us. Yeah. Yeah. You know. It's it's like we lost attention span or something over the years. It's weird.
1: Well, I think I also- they also, like, added a lot of side quests. Like, Final Fantasy VII Remake has, like, a ton of side quests that you can optionally do. So I feel like it would be a lot harder for me to play through that if I yeah. had ignored those. But, like, I'd much rather, like, do a bunch of, like, side quests and level up that way than just kill a sandworm 10,000 times. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: yeah
5: just like-
1: that's, that's, that's my feelings on it. More narrative content is always good in my book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, that is a funny question I just want to ask. Is that something when you like anytime you talk about people's occupations and stuff like that it's like i work in it but still when i come home i work on computers i build them and i do like tinkering and stuff like that when you work in narrative design and you're off time do you like want to consume more narrative design or do you no. want do you want just like turn off the brain and just go
1: i love video games i play i like i, I i'm playing like I, whenever Final Fantasy 7 Remake came out I played like 4 <laughs> I've watched 5 and 6 like just hours on YouTube so I could see what they were like like how is the narrative design of this one yeah. 6 I have to say for an old like for an old school JRPG really really poignant scenes like a great storyline with like when the um there's like the scene it's very famous uh where they are at an opera house and they're doing a play and I know the Game Boy Advance I think has updated vocals but it was like actually really touching to watch and like really like cool yeah. and, then, and the sounds really good I'm just like whoa this has like way more oomph than I thought it would uh and then there's a later callback to that scene in a very like this uh very poignant scene where like I almost cried like watching this YouTube <laughs> Yeah. I and I, I love just like learning through like other games like how yeah. do they do narrative design how do they like pull me in as a player how do the characters like what makes it and I just love thinking about that like last night all I could think about in my head was like comparing the Final Fantasy 9 gameplay with the Final Fantasy 10 gameplay and, and the Final Fantasy 12 gameplay versus 13 like what, how, how do the systems design, interact with the characters, interact with how you spend time with them? Like, you know, like, does it make p- characters, like, I, when a character feels useful, you have more of a connection to that character, right? And if they don't feel useful, you just have, like, less of a yeah. connection or respect. Like, so, like, Ten, like, I couldn't connect with Riku or Kimari because those are two characters in the game because i couldn't find them useful in combat so even though i liked their characters a lot they were two of like my favorite characters just based off their personality i like i had a hard time like like being like yeah riku yeah, go you, fight them you can't form a loves. relationship
0: because you're not using them in the game so it's harder for you yeah. to figure out where they fit in yeah
1: and that's kind of as a narrative designer what i have to think about i can't just write a good character i'd say like yeah. do you protect this character do they help you? Do you interact with them? Can you romance them? Can you like? Do you actually befriend them? Do you know them in the past, or do you are you just meeting them? Those are all questions I kind of have to consider uh, when creating characters and creating content, because the most important thing I think that games can do is make you feel drawn in and make you feel like a part of that world, yeah. right? And that's more than just it, more so than I think personally any book or any movie or any TV show I've ever seen. Games is the one where I feel. Truly, a part of that story, and that's kind of what I think about as an area designer.
2: Awesome, (laughs) I love that. Do you? If 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 I may, I'd like to ask a kind of follow up on that. Do you think? Because I mean, as good as I think Final Fantasy VI is, it has this gigantic cast of fourteen people. Do you think that's that hurts from your perspective? Because it's it's harder to use all those people, and uh, practically, you know, you end up, I think, becoming more. invested in a smaller cast of characters that you're using more often do you find that to be the case
1: yeah i think there's 12 13 characters and six that was just... yeah there's like
2: four <laughs> there's 12 i think normal and two hidden ones yeah so there's it's 14 total
1: yeah. um i i think that was just because there were some characters that were just like i didn't understand like um it just didn't feel as useful to me. I, and I was watching it, right? But I was just like, yeah. whoa. Uh, and in, even in some like Seven, there's a big cast in Seven as well. Um, and when I was watching the playthrough, that playthrough person just used two of those characters in Cloud. And that was just the whole entire playthrough, <laughs> uh, which I found very interesting. That They were just like, no, these are my two characters. I'm just going <laughs> to use them whenever I can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah so does
0: that make like I, the narrative designer in your head be like i spent so much time or somebody spent so much time on those other characters
1: i think 10 does a really good job of having the whole cast there's six people which i think is a good, good number. number yeah but you can actually like within a t- uh, it's a turn-based battle system but you can actually switch them in and out so i can be like oh i'm going to hit this guy with the spear to crack his armor and i'll like then uh do like a mind break so he's more like he's gonna have more damage due to magic and then i'll switch out to lulu and lulu will hit him with a fire spell but i won't have to use as much mp because i cracked that armor beforehand you know so like it feels like everybody's working together in a in a tandem which i think feels really good unless there's two characters like i said who don't really have that much of a usefulness in battle besides very specific Mm -hmm. situations but yeah uh so I, th- I, I do think making characters feel useful is good. And then, you know, switching them in and out of the party. So you have to kind of rework your thinking like, oh, now I have two mages and a and a tank. Like, how do I work? Like, how do I do this? And how do I think about this? It's also very interesting. And you can kind of keep combat fresh and, and exciting throughout the adventure, um, which is how a lot of other games kind of use it. like Like Seven Remake, for example, you switch out your party of three throughout the adventure. And then that kind of, you have to like redo combat. Like, think about, like, how you do combat uh, based off of that. And then you like those characters, like, in certain ways, like, you know, a healing character will always kind of be endeared to you because they'll heal you. <laughs> and you'll feel like, oh, cool. just like healers in real life. Everybody, we all love our healers here, I'm sure. Um, you just, like, feel endeared to them because you're like, thank you for, like, healing me, White Mage. And then, you know, <laughs> things like that. It's just really interesting how, like as an air designer, combat systems, yeah. character... They're, they're all part of the same thing. You know? I
0: I think as a player, I often don't think about that, kind of the back-end connection between the combat, and, but it's it makes sense. I've definitely, I've felt that before in characters even in ESO, where it's just like, I don't have a strong, they don't do anything. They just kind of sit on the sidelines, so I don't have as strong as a connection with them. But then when you have a character like in the elsewhere, with like, when Abner Tharn, you're going through in Casca, like those characters, you're doing things with them and you feel that more connection. Like you get that really that great, like, kind of like gruff feeling from Casca as she was going through and fighting things with you, and then like, is that something you worked Ka- on or
1: that? Yeah, I wrote the main quest. Uh, well, I didn't. <laughs> I I wrote ha- for the main quest for, yeah. <laughs> and, and the um, the elsewhere do you see at uh, Dragon Hold. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, so like, that's the one
0: that immediately Casca popped anxiety. into my head that I was thinking. I'm like, I remember Casca very vividly because of all the times that I was in combat. And Casca would be right there with like six or seven things attacking it at some time. And you're just like, she's actually holding her weight entirely. This is so helpful right now. Yeah. 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 She's great.
1: I love Casca. Yeah. Uh, that's a, Yeah, when we were like doing – well, we also wanted to balance it because we never wanted to feel like the player wasn't the most yeah. important person, right? And we didn't ever want like Casca to just sweep the mom yeah. And so that's when our character designers would come in and kind of balance out like, okay, what does Casca do? How fast does she fight? Like, you know, is she more of a tank? Is she more DPS? Things like that, Uh, which kind of is everything coming together. Um, And, you know, hesitations on their part, but also like excitement because – you just want to balance it out. Yeah. so it feels good to play through. Uh, but I, I do love it when characters can fight by by side or with me. Right? You
0: get a you get a better connection with them. I, I totally agree with that. That's so funny. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you for that little insight into kind of your. Know, I I do find it funny that you're like, oh, it's my five year anniversary, but Final <laughs> Fantasy.
1: <laughs> my husband's also a, he's a game engineer, so he understands. Oh
0: yeah, he could, yeah. It's just it was funny there. I yeah. like that. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing all that. I'm sure we'll have more yeah. questions about that as we go on. Dro, what have you been up to? Uh,
2: what have I been up to? Well, um, let's see. Uh, I'm in the process of looking for a job. Um, so uh, up until very recently, I was uh, doing video editing for uh, for a living. So um, that's what I hope to continue doing. Um and uh, on Wednesdays and Friday nights, I raid with my um, Final Fantasy XIV guild. I stream that on my channel. And, um, and you just and, recently installed
0: ESO again so you can play with me.
2: I might have. <laughs> I might have done <laughs> Did you? that. I Well, I saw Avron streaming this morning doing Battlegrounds and it was so much fun to watch and it reminded me that PVP is like my favorite thing to do in ESO. Oh. <laughs> And then I remembered that there are alliance change tokens. and There are, um, there are a few people in uh, the UESP guild who have never let me live down the fact that Dro is a Dominion uh, player. <laughs> and I thought, hmm, wouldn't it be cool to uh, use Averon some of my... But Avron and comp. I are Dominion. Yeah, you are. Avron <laughs> and me and Shifty. But you never give me <laughs> crap when I play Pact, though.
4: <laughs> no, I don't give you crap. <laughs> I don't... I don't
2: uh... Um... <laughs> <laughs> so
4: I play pact on EU so what yeah. a?
2: it's a, it's a fun I mean I've played a little <laughs> bit I've played um, on all the uh, on all the factions and it's uh I don't know it's fun no matter which which side you play. What I, what I always found funny is that whatever faction you're playing, they always think that the other two factions are ganging up against you. That's universal. No matter, what. No yeah. matter what faction you're playing, they all think that the other two are aligned. Uh,
4: and that are aligned. is what is so funny because you, you won't have played Battlegrounds, really, Or did you? No, you I played, some battle. Yeah, I okay. played some Battlegrounds. Yeah, I played some Battlegrounds. Know, back when you could queue say, for them as a group. People say, you know, team orange, team green, team purple. And then right. what colors did they make the Battlegrounds teams?
2: Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The 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 secondary colors, the uh, the because yeah. the three alliances are the primary colors, so they went with the three secondaries <laughs> for the for the battlegrounds. But yeah, Avron said this morning that uh, if you team green exists, you can't convince me otherwise. Well, my that my character is my Argonian character is named Purple Alliance Truther. That's the that's the whole joke there <laughs> about the that was the whole joke with the um with their Not red sure, and blue alliances that. being against the yellow, but. Uh, <laughs> Um. What was I going to say? Avron was saying this morning that uh, the three uh, battleground teams are coded in the code to each of the alliances. So if you wear yeah. an alliance uniform, it will change to whatever alliance you are assigned to in that in that group. Which I thought was and interesting. And if you I never drop the
4: dragon knight standard, you know it's got the banner in the oh, middle. Yeah. And sometimes people are like, but I'm an AD player. Why have I got this strange blue banner? And yeah. it's because of the, the team you're assigned to. Yeah.
2: I loved it when they yeah. changed that. So that because the, they did, it wasn't always like that where it would drop the, you know, the different um, alliance based on what, it, what you were. So I, I loved it when they changed that because it was just such a cool little uh, touch that I loved. But. Awesome. Yeah, I think I might. uh, Oh yeah, I'm still. (laughs) I'm still talking about myself. Um, But uh, yeah, I think I might come back and do a little PvP, maybe a few trials and stuff. Yeah, a bit. Uh, um, Dungeon Help Night unfortunately uh, overlaps with my uh, with my raid night, but uh, I'll see what I can do there too. Because as I said, Dungeon Help Night was just a a great experience, like all around. Well, you're the raid leader. I'm sorry.
4: Aren't you the raid leader?
2: I'm not the raid leader, no. Oh,
4: okay. I
2: was going to say, um, you probably so you missed enough dungeons that you might it. actually need to participate now in Dungeon health instead of I might. It. I might need some assistance, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, no, i I loved taking... I loved it when people would join in consecutive weeks because we had a few players who literally started from nothing, literally started from having never done a dungeon before, never done any sort of instanced uh, dungeon like that, and we took them from explaining like how to move out of a telegraphed attack in in Spindle Clutch to you know, going through... I don't know that we ever did Veteran um, with some of those folks, but uh, but some some of them did work their way up to Veteran Dungeons and ended up feeling really comfortable with it and was just a great feeling, you know, that you helped someone just get more. It wasn't even about being good at the game, necessarily. It was about helping them find the confidence to yeah. just play and, and, and enjoy the game and, you know, get into this aspect of it that they were previously too nervous to do. Um, awesome. But yeah, that's what uh, that's what I'm up to.
0: <laughs>
2: well, that's fun. So,
0: Bertrand, what have you been up to?
4: It was my birthday. Happy birthday. I had two two online parties with uh, different groups of friends. I had one that was on Skype and one that was a Jackbox Games party, so it was pretty good. I leveled my stamina warden on PCEU. Uh, I wanted to try and run him in a trial, so I had to grind him up from level 38 to 50. And, uh, yeah, you know, I did it quickly enough, but I still need to get his fighter's skill to rank 10, so I foresee more dolmens in my future, but not the Alakir Desert Dolmen Grind. I did that for an hour and a half, and I never want to do it again. Uh,
0: (laughs) I've done that a few times.
4: It was just, oh, Lord. (laughs) Even at four in the morning, UK time, so, you know, it's, it's only hardcore people do get quite a lot of experience. It was still, oh. Um. Okay. So, Media Mayhem. Uh, got a guild group, and what we did. Now, this this is excellent. It's a great, important time saving tip. Uh, you go as a group. You pick up all of the six Imperial City daily quests. Do them all. Only hand in the first one. And what that means is that you can get your two tickets for the Imperial City quest every day without actually having to worry about finding a group.
5: Oh. Yeah. That makes so sense.
4: Done them all. it's great um some battlegrounds and i am bad at battlegrounds but i love (laughs) crazy king crazy king is the one where it's like a land grab but the flags keep moving and the thing i love about it is that you there's no point standing to defend a flag because it's only going to move yeah so it's basically it's all about sort of attack and get get to the flag and get to the flag and and it was really really fun that was the first
0: battleground i ever did Oh and Lord, I, didn't look any, <laughs> I didn't look anything up beforehand. I was like, I'm going to try a random battleground. And I got that one. Uh, and I had, I, I was like, battlegrounds aren't for me because I have no idea what is going on right
4: now. It was, it was fun. Yeah. So yeah, more, more, some, 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 some sort of more PVP this week Um, time. Yeah. I've been busy at the moment.
0: I've been terrible at PVP this week. I've only just done scout missions. Because I'm, I'm so bad at PvP. I don't have any like PvP gear right now. And I was just like, I'm just going to log in and hide. That'll work. <laughs> Get my ticket, run away.
4: Well, everybody says, you know, Magicka Sorks are so easy. Going to go into Battlegrounds on my Magicka Sork. And I've got a Magicka Sork, and it's, you know max level. And I've got PvP gear, but I'm no good at Magicka Sork, Burst, DPS, PvP. I do way better going in on a Warden who's running a support build. Very, very tanky support build and it basically just heals. And at the end, you know, the medals. I've got like zero kills, <laughs> a few assists. Um but yeah, you know, I, I actually enjoy it. So That's good. Awesome.
0: Well what about you, AKB? What have you been up to this week?
3: I've been playing a good bit of ESO, doing streams. Uh I, I streamed before you on Wednesday out of the blue and it you made did. you like like you were super surprised, and like you were like, am, "Am I? Am I out? Like, am I no longer allowed to stream?" Like, <laughs> I
0: was like, "Wait, am I, I?" I had like that sudden like, "Wait, is it not Wednesday?"
4: Did you did you have to fight for the stream key? You know who's who has control of the channel?
0: Yeah, that's uh, actually why Kiz isn't here anymore because he was a casualty of that war.
3: Yes. <laughs> Uh, that, that is exactly what happened. Uh, it's a very accurate description of events. That said, uh, I also <laughs> learned uh, with the guild that I apparently destroyed a million uh, gold worth of items uh, the other day. That's pretty neat. What did you destroy? Uh, appa- so I, ground- uh, I went through uh, one of the zones to Sean... And uh, apparently those items are super valuable. Oh, uh, the, the, oh, the Plague
0: Doctor and
3: uh, the not Plague Doctor. Uh,
4: Mother Sorrow one. Inferno staffs.
3: Uh yes, I got I had several of those <laughs> okay. and I've destroyed them.
4: You know we have a guild trader, right? <laughs> Where you can sell items to other players.
3: I am aware that that's a thing, yes. Mm. He just didn't know, uh, I I know those, know those for... items were worth any money. Uh, the game tells me that like it was probably chat. worth like sixty uh, gold. So I went like that's trash. Get uh, get out my inventory. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yes, don't.
3: but uh, I helped a uh, guildmate, Ari Axel, uh, Sidrethi, and Kiz get to ne- gather another one of those sets, and I ha- got another Inferno staff that night, and I gave it away because I'm a good person. <laughs> <laughs> that's so. But yeah, funny. apparently I just traded a million golds worth of them. So that was a neat thing to realize. like Apparently, normally you should when have you are
4: talking re- guild chat more.
3: Uh, you know, like <laughs> normally when you realize you missed a clear opportunity, it like will come years later. Like you'll realize, oh, I should have done that. I'm such an idiot. But no, it was like the day after, and I'm like, oh, those were actually valuable. My bad. I, I don't care though. It's fine. It- it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I don't care at all. Yeah, it's, it's fine. the tears. But yeah, that's uh, about all there is for me.
0: Nice. Uh, As for myself, uh, I started working again because, as people know, I've been off because of the pandemic for a while. So I've been back working part time, which is funny because since I have two little children... It has means that I actually have more time to myself again, so I'm not as burnt out at the end of the day, because it's been kind of hectic trying to keep two little people entertained and alive during this entire time. Uh, so I have a little bit more energy. So that meant that as I was talking as Dro, was talking about was, before the show, I have a little bit more time to do some video video work. So we can we're going to be doing a little bit more YouTube content coming up soon, and Dro, I might have to pick your brain on some things.
2: I would be honored to collaborate with you that on would that. be so
0: Fantastic.
2: Let me know anytime. <laughs> uh, as far as in ESO world, I've been uh,
0: grinding out all of the antiquities because the antiquities is just my favorite game mechanic of all time right now. It's just so much fun to sit there and just go through it. I love... There's nothing about it I have any complaints about. I'm just so happy with the way antiquities work. So that's been really fun for me. That's what I did on stream. Literally, I did what, like a four-hour stream the other night, just antiquities the entire time, and I didn't get tired of it at
4: all. I picked up a bunch of of leads in the Imperial City for, like, mythic stuff.
0: Oh, nice. I haven't been getting as many leads as I want to be getting. (laughs) And on on EU, EU.
4: yeah, and on EU, I can only get green items, so I've got to, like, sit and grind that up again. Yeah. I'll do it. I'll get around to it.
3: I got my first uh, lead for a mythic item. I... Have to grind up my antiquities to get that one. uh, it's bit, uh I also realized uh, the other day that there was a timer on them. Uh, thirty days. By 30. the way, that it was like five.
4: What? Well, has the game uh, even been out for twenty-five days?
3: I, I've had several expire on me already, and I have one expiring in six hours. So huh. uh, it's like five days, not thirty. No, uh, no, no,
4: no. So, okay, it's thirty days, but the timer only appears when you've only got seven days left.
3: I mean, I picked it up with the timer, I believe. So that's uh, strange.
4: That's strange. I haven't heard <laughs> about that. That might be. A problem. I,
3: I, I had like six purple leads. I'm down to two. That's mm. very strange. We'll look into that so more. So be be aware that there's a timer on those, and you actually do have to do the antiquities if you don't want to. Uh, uh, when you get them, if you don't want to uh, do the grind to get those items back yeah. after missing them.
5: yeah.
0: Uh, the other fun thing, so, as we were talking about, the weekend was heavy, so I wanted to do something really, really fun, um, and for the longest time, I have hated my main character's name in ESO, because I made it before that I realized you could have spaces, and have last names, and things like that, so I was like, I need to think of a really short name and come up with it and i've never liked it i've never been happy with it it was like Pylonius or something like that um so i decided i was gonna let twitter rename my main character dso uh so i posted a tweet i'll link to the tweet if anybody else wants to vote or add a suggestion to what i should name my character but basically i made it that post a reply with whatever you want my character to be and i will rename my character um Currently in first place is Rumpel Guarskin. Oh, my. It's, it's what I. No. Ah. It's, it's pretty great. So, as of right now, if nothing changes between now and tomorrow, I will be rehaving my Imperial Dragon Knight, Rumpel Guarskin. Um, in second place is Guarkanir No Shield, the the Altmer. Uh, there's been some great uh, suggestions. Uh, somebody suggested I change to Argonian and name it Argonius Rex. Uh, I've got let's see, Pyro Law, um, poopsie. Someone just wanted <laughs> it poopsie. Someone also suggested I rename my main to Pylon's crafting mule, which I also <laughs> thought was hilarious. Um, and what were some of the other ones? Geet Yolo Swag was another <laughs> <laughs> suggestion that I was like. Uh, so if you want to vote on what I should name my main character, that and I won't rename it. it that's it forever. It's gonna be in there make sure you go to the twitter and pick one of them but
3: i like that the dungeon crawlers suggested crawls many dungeons
0: yeah i saw a few yeah it's crawls many dungeons i know actually one of for a long time the leader was a tales of tamriel inside joke and i was like i'm super happy that my the uesp podcast host name will be a tales of tamriel inside joke (laughs) which would be fun because i love those guys but that was really funny so that's basically all i've been up to uh other people have been having some fun and doing some things i just saw oh i just i I literally opened twitter and i saw a picture of eso on switch and then i was like wait what but it's it was a joke tweet and i got really sad now because i was really excited that eso might be on switch (laughs) Oh, it'd be so fun i know it won't ever happen but that would be so fun to be able to just take it with me and just it'll never happen though but anyways Let me get back to our show notes so I know what's going on. Why don't we dive in a bit more to the topic we wanted to talk about with uh, LGBTQ plus representation in The Elder Scrolls. So as I was saying at the start of the episode, this is an episode we wanted to have we've wanted to talk about it for a while and it was just, it kept getting bumped due to different other events going on in the Elder Scrolls, especially ESO with the launch of Greymore. So we've we wanted to talk about this during Pride Month because it's a very important issue and just given the state of the world, things that are going on, I think it's really important that we can celebrate and have a, have a celebration of Pride right now and talk about all the different things going on and how the Elder Scrolls has been a part of that. Um, one of the main things that we thought about Tori and she agreed to join us tonight. Is the I know personally for me the story about the character of Alchemy was a huge uh, like insight into the world that's something that a trans person would deal with and understand. And it was it was absolutely an amazing quest to go through. And it's actually one of the quests I tell anybody who's starting to play The Elder Scrolls I say go to Somerset, try this quest. It's it's one of those ones that like literally like as I was finishing it, just like sitting here being like had like kind of felt like I had the wind knocked out of me just from the, the it's a very powerful feeling and as you were talking about earlier, Tori, about the the power that video games have to like make you feel like you're a part of that story and that something's going on. Like it felt like it felt like the story that I'd heard from a number of my trans friends as they were coming out and coming to terms with who they are as a person. Uh so that's something that kind of spurred this idea of like let's let's ask Tori if she'd be willing to come on the show and talk about this a little bit more. And you were incredibly gracious to join us even with our last minute uh request there. So we thank you so much for that. So we just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about how it's gone through in the past. And uh I do want to give a big shout out to Lady Narivara from the Imperial Library. She built a long list in the Imperial Library of the LGBTQ plus uh, characters that she's at least found. We've realized today that there were some that hadn't been mentioned um, within all of the Elder Scrolls games. So thank you so much for compiling that List And I think it's very important. And I think she retweeted it out today to remind people that that list exists. So, well, Tron, do you want to get us started kind of with what we wanted to go in? And actually, if anybody feels comfortable too, talking about your personal feelings and stories that you've dealt with dealing with the LGBTQ issues.
4: How are we doing this? Do we want to do it in like order or?
0: I don't know. I feel like we're going to start doing that. It's probably going okay. to be great if we just and kind in of. And Daggerfall, in. this yeah.
4: happened, and in Battlespire, <laughs> like, that happened. I mean, obviously, in the in the early games, there wasn't very much.
3: Yeah, there was some. Um, there was some which. I, so, go ahead in Arena and Daggerfall, uh, and I talked to uh, Lady Nerivar about this because it was uh, the procedural generation yeah. of the games. It was possible. That there are, in fact, those uh, same-sex and other such couples in uh, Daggerfall and Arena, but it's just because their a- algorithm is has some bugs, or it just didn't consider those. I think that... Uh, so it is in Arena and Daggerfall, but not in an intentional sense. And usually it will reflect the fact that it's bugged. Like, it'll have two husbands uh, refer to their other half as their wife, that kind of thing. Yeah. The one thing that's uh, nice
0: is that they didn't explicitly make, like they didn't spend a lot of time to make sure that that couldn't happen. That's my only yeah. thought on that one. Like it's like they're older games. Like we understand things, products of their times, but it is nice that they like, there are some cases I know in Daggerfall, when we talk about the worshippers of Azura, like they were all her lovers, regardless of what was said there. Um, and the Daedric princes themselves have some ambiguity there as in terms of gender, which is all I always found very interesting.
3: Um, but yeah, Uh, go ahead. Uh, the first real, uh, deliberate example in the series is, uh, J.C.L. Morgan and Daenerys Catrice, uh, two dark seducers you meet in, uh, Valspire. J.C.L. Morgan is actually right there, even at the end of the game. Uh, she's one of your main companions, uh... She's necessary to actually defeat Mary day Spoilers, but you've had like 20 years at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm. I'm sorry, you had 20 years, you had your chance. Uh, but yeah, they, while the game themselves just very much implied that they were actually lovers, it never outright says it, but uh, during the 10th anniversary of the series, uh, the official website did come out and just straight up say they were lovers. Yeah. So they were the, uh, as far as I'm concerned and I'm aware, the first official sex uh, LGBT couple.
0: So I'm going to jump around now, even though we said we'd go in order and I knew it wouldn't last long jumping in order. I just kind of want to talk, ask Tori kind of a quick question about so, maybe this isn't a quick question at all, I don't know why I even (laughs) started with that. But when you are approaching kind of the narrative design behind a character like that, and this is something I, I imagine is important to you. How do how do you decide, or what kind of thought process do you go to when you say I want this to be a story about somebody that's had a minority or something like that? Is that do you come with the idea first that you want to tell the story of a LGBTQ person? Or do you kind of write the story and say actually this would fit into there, or is it a mixture of both? Or
1: well, I mean, sometimes it, it, like for Alchemy, for example, for Manner of Mask, we definitely wanted to tell a story. Um it's very important that we tell it right because yeah. um, she's like the first trans woman to really like be. I don't want to say the only trans woman in the series. Cause I know so many people have like really great headcanons about trans characters. Yeah. Um, but like the one to openly state, like, yes, you know, I'm alchemy. I, I am yeah. a woman. Um, like as There's much no as she ambiguity. can say that she's a trans woman, she does say she's a trans woman. Yes. Um, So like thinking about that story, um, I worked with content designer, Eric Bakudis and all credits to Eric Bakudis. He was the one who actually wanted to tell the story Um, as a content designer. This was like my very first like time. Like it was my second big DLC after Morrowind, but I, I didn't do big stuff on Morrowind. I did big stuff on clockwork. So, you know, I get into Somerset and he's like, I want to tell the story. I feel like this is a, the manner of masks continue tell it in a really interesting way where we can kind of tell one story while kind of telling another, but without actually telling that story about being scared of rejection and being scared that your family might not accept you for like who you are. Um, You know, so I I mean, first of all, you go into this and you like research for sure. Uh, Like, you know, I I was very aware of like several trans media, like representation issues in media and how people like, you know, could see themselves in that media and what they did and didn't like just by like researching it and like knowing that and being parts of those groups, but um, creating the story and kind of making sure that, uh, you know, it's, it's representative and it represented in, I think a positive way and then like a respectful way. We actually did have a sensitivity reader okay. actually go through the story and give us some really great notes. And we did make changes based off those notes. Um, I think it's very important that you have somebody, especially somebody in that uh, diverse, like, you know, either community. a person of color or in that community, uh, tr- uh, you know, somebody who's aware of those issues and maybe a part of that community specifically to like, you know, look over your stuff. Uh, yeah. It's very important, especially for this story. And so that was an example of like really working to make sure that the story was told in a respectful way. But there are some times where I would just write a character, like I would, I would like, you know, come up with a quest and then I'd be like, yeah, so really, you know, like he goes to like, you know, he's talking about his wife and then I'll just stop for a second. I'm like, he's talking about his husband. <laughs> and yeah. I'm just I'll just <laughs> I'll just mix it in like a great example of that is like there's um there is a, a small quest in the elswoodius from dragonhold um that there is a uh, like a kaji and his husband's a wood elf, and the wood elf is love making... That gr- yeah. rot- I love he, like, that quest! And he wants to make sweet rot meat brew because he wants to sell it, and the Khajiit like <laughs> sweet stuff, right? So even if he makes this disgusting biley, Because Meat brew is made out of uh, fermented meat. <laughs> so he just adds sugar <laughs> yeah. to the meat Beer or meat wine or whatever you call it, <laughs> and then he asks his husband like, "Oh, you know, like, can you like like because he loses it in the caravan, and it's very <laughs> obvious that his Khajiit husband did not want to have to test this out, and I just love it because it's like Khajiit has like goes gets a drink and drinks it and then just passes out, <laughs> and like like I could have written that quest with a wife and a husband. I could have made the yeah. Khajiit you know, a a man and the a woman. You know, either way, but like just like so like. Just, like, making those characters, like, the same gender and married, and it was just a simple solution for me. And I didn't actually, like, make those characters anything other than just characters who just happened to be married to another man. Yeah. So, like, you know, um, but there are certain things there I have to think about more. Another example, like, a small quest was... Um, uh, The Toad, Totem Turnaround, I think it's called, or Totem Turnaround, uh, which is uh, Argonians in uh, Merkmire. Oh, yes. Who uh mm-hmm. they just very simply I, I wanted to make this was specifically because in lore it's like before my time it stated that Arganians can change their gender with the help of the hist yeah. and i thought that was a really cool thing and i'm like has there been like a character or quest that explore that and they're like not really so i'm like okay well i'm gonna make one yeah. so it's just like and it was actually based off of two people i knew who had just recently come out like the my, my old high school friends came out as a trans woman and then her uh now husband came out as a trans man shortly afterwards so it happens in real yeah. life you know and i was inspired to be like oh wouldn't that be cool if, like an argonian liked another argonian and they wanted to like have babies with this argonian but then oh no now they're a woman, but okay now we, he, like, like oh no they turned into a trans man you know basically and then oh but that's a trans woman now so um i just thought it'd be like really interesting to kind of see like that's like a common thing and it's like oh yeah it just happened to be that like you know this now we can totally mate now. It's so great. Uh, um, But then I also wanted to follow that up with, uh, um, I, I wrote that book, a grand transformation, which was specifically about like a tree minder who like was helping, helping one of their community members transition with the will of the hist, never describing exactly what happens. Cause you got to keep it mysterious, you know, yeah. but just basically saying like, yeah, this person came to me and wanted to change. So by the will of the hist, you know, uh, tr- you know, turned into you know another gender and then the whole community kind of celebrates that because the argonians are all about change like yeah. they love change they don't like stagnation they don't like to stay so like it works in lore. like yeah like and then throw a big party i'm like i wish that every person who came out as trans just the whole community just threw Had a big, a big party, party for you and be like hey you know like, I, I mean i have heard of um some individuals like they get like a birthday or they get like a gender reveal party by their parents and i think that's so great just like yeah hey, celebration like you know you've you know changed your gender uh you've you know realized something about yourself and you've like are now who you are meant to be right like let's celebrate that's great um things like that um so like yeah but always being conscious of like in ESO that we wanted to keep it positive and we wanted to keep it like just a part of the world Uh, and I think that was a big part of like we just wanted all the players to feel comfortable (laughs) role-playing I, like, the, a big part of my alchemy's there is I wanted players, and there are a lot of players who either role play or because they are transgender, their character is transgender. And I wanted to be like, you're valid. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let anybody tell you no. And being, Nobody able to cares. See,
0: being able to see a character in a game that has a, something that you relate to, like for everybody, yeah. like talking <clears throat> even just outside of LGBTQ, like there's so many times when you see something that you can relate to and you're like, you just get an instant connection that you feel you feel seen, you feel noticed, you feel like you matter right. because there's well somebody who designed this character thought about someone like me.
4: Yeah, yeah. and, and that's a huge a that's huge. People. I mean, first first of all, I'm really really psyched about about the fact that you apparently have written a lot of the content I really like in the game. Yeah. <laughs> that's so that's that's, uh, that's exciting that is. Um but yeah, I mean when we look at some of the older games, and I'm sorry, but this is this is going to be a bit of a rant. Feel free to stop me. But Oblivion? <sighs> Varanus, Danton and Edward Hodge from the Fighters Guild main quest line were in a relationship. They were. Their relationship is alluded to so vaguely that I've had arguments with people on ESP where they said oh, they were only good friends. You don't say... A man doesn't say another man is beautiful, unless there you know there's, there's some serious love going on there
3: uh, and- beartron there's a term for that that I really like uh, I, uh, it was coined by I believe uh, red letter media uh, passive progressive where the reference to it is so buried or so inconsequential that you might as well have not tried like mm. a recent example of it was uh the Two uh, girls kissing at the end of uh, the last Star Wars, Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Like, mm-hmm. it's there, but these aren't characters we know at all, and it's in the background, so it could have been edited out for international oh, release. Oh, well,
4: really have well, I really have some stuff to get onto there. So, so for Arnas and Edward, um, you only find out about their relationship after they're both dead. Yeah. But at least you do get to meet them as people before they die. And for people who are straight want to be allies of the lgbtqa plus you know how many letters are included does depend on where you're from gay queer trans characters dying young is a particularly offensive trope if you go to tv tropes and you look up bury your gays
5: yeah.
4: you'll see it and there's a couple of reasons for this first of all is that it implies that if you are lgbtq class you are more expendable than a heteronormative a a straight cis person but you know it's i i we keep this we try to keep this uh, swear free but you know you can imagine this if we didn't i would be saying some bad yeah. words right now and it's even more offensive when you're killing off a queer character it, it's removing the only representation representation yeah. And these two guys are literally the only characters in base game oblivion who are gay. You know, forget, forget trans, forget lesbians, forget bi. They're the only two. And they both get killed off. Both of them. Yeah. Tragically.
1: Yeah, so- I mean, there's also um there used to be TV codes and movie codes where if you had a gay character, they had to suffer in some way or go back or die or be the villain yeah. it, because of that mm-hmm. because they wanted to make sure any representation was negative representation exactly Which Which is it, just, it's oh. really unfortunate yeah yeah
0: cuz like that that permeates through society even just unconsciously like people just you see a character of a certain type always portrayed in a certain way or something like that and that just whether people want to think about it or not it just it just becomes part of like the the zeitgeist of the world that okay I've seen this movie, and in all these movies, this type of character is the bad guy. So I, when I see this character, type of character in another movie, I'm going to assume they're not a good person. They're going to die. They're not important to the story. So it's it's awful that those kind of things existed,
2: or they're important to the story for a terrible reason. Like they're there to reinforce, yeah. You know, a this is how this is how you shouldn't be. You know, look what happened to this person. It's yeah. It's very pernicious. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm having I'm having so many feels right now, but <laughs> because of everything you guys have been saying, but uh, yeah, I guess for me that's what affected me so much about playing through Elder Scrolls Online, um, because it is just the, the the Tamriel reflects what the real world is like, and no one makes a big deal about it. You know, like you said, Tori, you just you. These, these folks are husbands rather than a husband and wife. And it just, nobody makes a, a, a any issue of it. They just are. They they belong in the world just like anybody else. They're given the same type of respect and recognition. And like that, as, as someone who is gay myself, that that is really, I mean, that really feels good to yeah. play through a game and feel like you are represented because there's a lot of, I think it shows you know it, it shows a an appreciation for the diversity that, that we bring but it also shows I think it shows other people that you aren't losing anything by representing other um, other demographics there's kind of this weird sort of um, mentality that by recognizing um, same-sex marriage, we saw it in the fight for same-sex marriage, we're seeing it in the fight for trans rights, that where if if I accept you, then it's taking something away from me. Like, there's, it's just this weird mentality there, you know, I, I, be, if I recognize you, then I've lost something. And that's just not true. It's, like, I, I don't, I don't, not sure where that comes from, but it's, uh, it, just this, this, people feel threatened by it, and just the, the more, um, the more, uh, we, uh, sorry, uh, it's it's it just feels really good. <laughs> I kind of lost my train of thought there, but uh, yeah, uh, to see folks represented in that way is it just it, it's incredibly it feels me, fills me with with just joy in playing the game and and being part of the world and. And I think it it impacts the community and the the game itself very positively. Yeah, Uh,
1: Yeah, that's exactly. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. ahead.
2: No, you go ahead. I
1: just gonna say that's exactly why I personally want to do it. Like um, games has been a huge part of like my personal journey of of coming out as bisexual in a a weird way. Um, Just because I played games where I could date women. I know that sounds weird, but, like, having that, like, I was always playing as a male character, besides, obviously, Dragon Age, Mass Effect, there are a lot of games now where you can play as this, like, a same-sex relationship, but, like, being able to, like, explore a place where I was playing as a man, dating a woman, or romancing a woman, like, was a huge part of, like, And that wasn't even representation. That was just me being able to explore that kind of identity in the game space, which is why I particularly am like, yes, like games media needs diversity in all realms because I want people who play through these games to like feel – I remember there was a really heartwarming story on Twitter about – uh, a lesbian woman whose father messaged her after playing through The Last of Us 2. I believe it was a, a daughter and father and saying like, I understand you so much better now because when I went through this story, I was able to see Ellie and her love interest interact and really bond together. And I kind of, I can see where you're coming. And that was like, yes, this is exactly why we do it. And it's, it's not just because I want people, like, like my most important thing when making these characters, when creating this representation is that the community is feeling respected and heard and seen. That's my number one concern. But my number two concern is that I would love for people outside of the community to be able to see these characters and interact with them and grow to like them and know, like yes this is like you know and just like through that interaction hopefully learn to accept the community a little bit more if they haven't already you know like that these are just characters and they're a part of your story in this game and they can be a part of your life too in a very positive way yeah. if you just accept them and you you know kind of like see them as who they are just as as game characters and as just people that just happen to be a part of that community as well you know
0: definitely yeah definitely i think that's yeah. important i just wanted to address quick there was a like in chat talking about when we were discussing the trope of the barrier gays and why that's why they felt it was problematic but they're saying like should they just make gay people immortal then and I, and no that's not the point of the trope whatsoever that's the problematic part the fact that a gay character dies in a game is not the problem the problem is when you don't have any other forms of representation for that character and then you kill off the ones that are there like because it just eliminates an entire community or an entire identity of people from the game whatsoever. So it's not a, you have to make them immortal. You can't have anything bad to happen to them. They have to be perfect human beings. Like none of that is what anybody wants or is trying to say. It's really just a matter of show them. If you only show them with some negative consequence, that becomes the problem. So like in Oblivion, those are literally the only ones in base game that exist and they've been killed off. That means that they have just been completely gay people have been eliminated from the game because that's and then they never show up again if there are multiple characters in the game that are different things and then sometimes bad things happen sometimes good things happen that's what happens with straight characters in the game like sometimes bad things happen to straight people too sometimes good things happen to straight people in the games like you really need to it's it's about representation and getting rid of your entire form is that kind of what
1: yeah a good metaphor I saw about this, which is representation in general, is like, imagine that I get some M&Ms and you get some m ms That's a representation, right? So I'm looking for M&Ms that are bisexual and you're getting all this straight representation, and you get this big mound of M <laughs> yeah. in all media in all of time, and that's all of your straight representation. And then I, and even if I have my entire community of LGBTQ plus, I get this very meager bowl, right? Yeah. And then you say we're going to take that one from you, right? Yeah. If you gave me a big heap and bowl, I wouldn't mind, yeah. you know. But you've exactly, got to yeah. consider exactly. it. That's like you've got to consider how many m ms am i getting and and if you take one for me like like you could take like a huge handful of yours and you'd still have a bigger bowl than me so that's what that's what we're saying about bury your gaze and a lot of very ne- like 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 lipstick lesbians another one of them are there lesbian women out there who wear lipstick yes but this is a trope and it's negative for certain reasons because it's prevalent and it's not representative of the community as a whole yeah. a lot of things like that um the more representation we have, the more diverse their stories can be, and it doesn't become a trope; it just becomes a part of their story. But you have to be careful of like, you have one gay character in your story. How you treat that gay character is going to be much more important than if you had three or five or a, exactly. a couple, like a, a whole cast of it. You know, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about something like bury your gaze um, and that's what we're talking about with tropes in, in general. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's even always gonna in- I'm sorry. Sorry, I, well, I was just going to say, and there's always going to be those people who are upset that we get the, that one M M&M and M or those yeah. three M and Ms, you know, which is what is frustrating. <laughs> which I have no time for but like Which, yeah, no but you them. know, so which is why it's, you know, it, it's nice to see more than just the one couple in Oblivion who are who you know who who die, and it, it the, the, mo- the more a part of the world that they are, the more normal it feels, and you know, yeah. because. It, and it, we're the the more normal it feels to the folks who may have not thought it was normal already. Yeah. And I think <laughs> ESO... we already think it's very normal, but because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's what the world, yeah. you know, hey, it's, it's what the, it's, hey, it's it's what the world you is. The world, yeah. You know, I mean, it, so
0: yeah, and I think ESO has done a tremendous job in that compared to oh. its previous games. Like it's it's absolutely you come across it and it's and like okay, side mini rant from me. The other kind of problem I have is when you hear people being like, well, they just added that character to be uh, to be blank. Like, that's the only purpose of that character, to be blank. You never see straight people that are just added to be straight. And I'm like, have you met Darien in the game? He is 100% just there to be straight. Like... <laughs> But they, but people don't think about that as they think like, oh no, they're like this character is homosexual just to make me homosexual. I'm like they add straight people to do that too. Stop complaining. Darian,
4: darian winds me up because he's like talking about women to my to my gay character. Oh yeah. My my Breton in in ESO is is a gay man. Um, you know, a very very femme gay man. And there's darian talking to him about women, and he's going, dude. I'm not interested. Yeah. But anyway, um, what? Yeah, Darian, not Jakan. Not Jakan. The one. Yeah. Not Jakan. Darian. Um, I wanted to talk about a situation in which a gay person does die in Elder Scrolls Online, and this is a quest called the Flower of Youth, which is found near Greenheart in.
0: Tori has uh, feels about this quest. Green, <laughs> shade. green, shade. I green have, shade. I yeah. have. I have this. This. this I have. It's a very. Yeah.
4: Very strong feels about this quest. You've got these two... Uh, gay Bosman quest. You've got two elderly husbands called Hartman and Mirale. One of them's dying and he wants to see these special flowers again before he dies. So <laughs> go and find them for him. And I just... Oh, my... Like, thinking about it, I've got tears in my yeah. eyes. That's how powerful that one quest is. Yeah. You see, we,
1: um, can, we can have gay characters die right yeah that, it's, that, it's yeah right. they, they don't way. all have to be immortal they're, yeah yeah but that all in, is very touching yeah. it okay. is it
2: really is it's all in how you use the the, the, the plot developments you know and yeah it's right. all in the intent i think
0: and that mm-hmm. quest doesn't stand out to me as a like well that's the only time we've seen a gay people a gay couple in the game and they're dying like it doesn't stand out that way it's more of just this beautiful story about this person that wants to see flowers before they die and then it's a tragic ending because you're you you feel for those people you go through and you try so hard and it's it's yeah it's it's but again it's one of those it's i and that's where I, i props to the eso team and everybody there like it's it's you can tell it's handled with care and it's handled intentionally which i think is is more than you can ask for in a lot of other media and games and things that we play so it's it's been very it's been very
2: touching to see such care given to it yeah. even in um, even in, even in seemingly inconsequential places there's a there's a merchant in belcarth in uh in ESO. Two merchants in Belcar. Two of them, yeah. There's a it's a lesbian couple and you talk to her and she says, "Oh, my I love. It's a wonderful piece of dialogue where she goes, "My wife told me I need we needed to move more product. So I took some of the the weapons out of the crate and put them in a barrel. I don't know how that's supposed to help us make more money, but she's always been the brains in the family." And it's just <laughs> this really funny little thing and I just I like I love you. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. Do we want to talk about some of the uh quests and things that have been particularly relevant because the other option is that i i rant about uh bia and bia i can't even say their name today bionorfa and frodolf in dragonborn but i i don't think it, it's the same situation okay you you meet them they're both dead and there's not even a quest you just find them dead um so yeah do we want to rant about some uh, in a in a positive way you know about rant stuff in a positive way rant in a positive way yes happy rant well ranting.
0: okay so this is one from before ESO and before Quest 2 that I remember it when I had trying to remember how old I was when Morrowind came out. But I remember when we first met Vivek, just kind of being taken back at first. Cause I was a early teenager at the time. I think I was in like grade nine, uh, that this, there was this character that was male and female and there's so much ambiguity around. He's a poet. He is in love with men. He's in love with women. He's just is very transcending godhood character, which we won't even try to begin to explain where he fits in the LGBTQ community because it's he's a god. It doesn't make sense. There's some things that he can do that just aren't real. But it was. I remember that was one of those kind of first kind of ex- opening experiences for me personally, being like. This is fine. This is just normal in this world. This is one of those things where it's like, it's the fact that he is this isn't the sole aspect of his character. He's so much more than that. He's a major character that is just different, different than what I was expect to in my small like small town growing up, playing like video games every once in a while. It's like you didn't see anything that had any kind of gender conversation ever in a game, and I I like that a character like Morrowind existed. Or like Vivek existed back in Morrowind, because it kind of I felt like that was part of that like opening of the gates to allow these conversations to start happening. As weird of a character as Vivek is, and as confusing as trying to explain Vivek, um, I think. But like, the thing that kind of st- uh, when I was playing through the Clockwork City DLC, it was really interesting when their Sotha Sil's conversation trying to explain what Vivek was, and it was just basically saying like. He says, Vivek craves radical freedom, the death of all limits and restrictions. He wishes to be all things at all times, every race, every gender, every hero, both divine and finite. But in the end, he can only be Vivek. I found that to be like a very, very interesting way to bring up that conversation about like, what is all of this? Like, what, where does this start? Where does it end? And it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't end with any finite, like just boxes and boxes and like these are, this is coming in here and this is this type of thing. So we put it in this box. Like, yeah. I don't know. That was a weird thing for me, but I remember that being a very, I just remember growing up and seeing that character and just being like, that's interesting. And that kind of got me thinking about opening the door to other conversations about LGBTQ people. I do yeah, wonder really if Vivek was written
4: do. nowadays, if because it's the fact that he has the you know the, the pronoun he, yeah. despite being apparently gender fluid in in some way as we now as we as we now understand it. But you know, I'm I'm old and I've been in the queer community for some twenty mumble years, um, and actually the way we think about things has changed. And if the if it was written now, the character. Um, would they be using? Would the writers be using some sort of non-binary pronoun, like a singular they, yeah. or one of the neo-pronouns, like z? Um, and I don't, you know, I just wonder about that. And it's it, we can't answer the question because Vivek was written back in
0: early 2000s, early, probably when it's it probably yeah. been written before then. Like, mm.
1: yeah, I mean, the non-binary gender identity is so. It, it is in definition a broad spectrum. Yeah. There are people who are non-binary who use he, him, she, he, she, her, use she, they. And and that's the definition of that gender, that it's not set in stone in any way. You know, that it you, it is your identity. It, it, it's this binary that you're kind of, you know, a part of, but you get to decide if you're even a part of that, if you're, outside of it it's just it, it's, it's 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 a broad spectrum you know like i can say as a bisexual person i you know i'm attracted to both women and men cool you know yeah. uh, and even that pan pansexual identities versus bisexual, and there's there's a lot of communication about that to to the point where bisexual identity and how i kind of identify is that i identify it as like i'm attracted to people of my own gender and people who are not my gender was is kind of like a new identity to had that broad spectrum so you're talking about vivek and i have to say like you know i'm not part of the non-binary community i feel like somebody who is a part of that could speak much more clearly about the subject but you know um just i feel like that's something that would be really cool to explore in his character um and was kind of hinted like talked about a little bit in the in the ESO, but you know i i do think that non-binary representation is something that uh games are lacking in yeah. a very human sense which is i think another criticism i can have against it like you know i think when somebody's non-binary they don't want to see themselves in an alien it's a good example a lot of aliens are non-binary or like as a, something that's not human i mean vivek is human and, and well a dunborn <laughs> a dark elf you know but, but human in the God, terms of the world yeah and like he's... he's somewhat of a daedric prince but also somewhat of an aedra you know and uh, so you have to kind of consider all that when creating those characters like you know am i saying that like somebody has to be godlike to be yeah outside of the gender spectrum things like that so i'm not saying that's a perfect example but Back in the day, you know, when you had representation, you took it. So I am 100% for members of the non-binary community who are Elder Scrolls fans really taking a hold of Vivek as one of their own pieces, right? Like, I don't ever want to say that that's wrong or bad. But yeah. It's just a very complicated subject because you don't want to – you want to, like, say the nuance of, well, nowadays that character would be handled in a different, different way. For or sure. we would have had more representation. But I also don't want to, like – Invalidate anybody who is non binary and sees a vec as a as media representation for them and enjoys that, you know? Um, that's just the, when you see these old, I guess, queer characters in some way, even if they're problematic, you always have to be aware that there are people who really like you know latched on to this character really love this character and like that like that i saw that aspect of them but nowadays you want to do better yeah and you want to do right by the community and i think so that's, that's how, kind of how i see vivek yeah you know? and i
0: think that's a perfectly fair way to do it and i, I wasn't trying yeah. to say just to clarify that he was like a perfect representation of any of that like oh, just yeah. so I, no, no, no just, i didn't. just I didn't in case that. anybody just... else listening thinks that i was not saying that i was just more talking from my own personal <laughs> but, experience of it just being like this like Oh, I've never thought of that before. Like that was my first, that was my first example (laughs) of that. And as problematic as it was, and as we said, like the whole godhood thing being problematic and him being kind of, kind of a villain as we later learn in the things, like there's problems with it. And I would, I would agree with that. Definitely
4: a raging egomaniac.
0: Vivek like, is not this... a good person, or God, or whatever We want to clarify. that. Yeah. It was more just, just it was that first window into that world that is something I'd never seen or even thought about at that age before, which was...
1: Yeah, it, everything has to have a start, you know, yeah. representation started somewhere. And what that meant to the people who played it at that time being something to them. And that's valid for me, for sure. You know, any queer representation I saw in high school that was problematic was still like Persona 4 is a great example of this. Like I played through that game in high school. It gave me a lot of feels about yeah. my own identity and my own thing. Playing through it again as an adult, it's really problematic, incredibly yeah. problematic at times for anybody who's played through it. You know, um, there's like a lot of like homophobic statements made by your friend characters that you cannot contradict. And it made me really mad. But like As a high schooler, that still meant something really deep to me and that's still representation to me. So I, I, when talking about the Elder Scrolls and how it's kind of come up with representation, I don't ever want to say that you're invalid for feeling that this was a representation of you and that you felt connected to those characters. But as somebody who's in modern day games industry i want to do better by you and i want to make sure that your representation is something that you know is much more respectful and nuanced and just more yeah you know and i think that's always i think that's
0: always a craving like even 10 years from now you'll you'll want to do better than what we had done before like it's not like a oh we're gonna get there and things will be perfect like that's that would be amazing it would be great to have this utopia world where we didn't have to worry about people being bigots and dismissing entire Factions of people because they don't agree with how they are naturally, like how they want, how they exist. But unfortunately, we can just always try to push to do better. Yeah. One, one
4: thing I, sorry, I wanted, wanted to follow on from this is, is the idea of um, homophobia. And this is where I get out my little, my little five flag and go, yay. Because one of the quests in ESO that's really important to me is called A Change of Heart in Rivenspire. And I mean, it's it's a great quest anyway, because you have to go down to the Deadlands of um, Meron's Dagon. And it, it's like um, seeing Oblivion, but with with modern graphics. And so, so it's a really good quest anyway. But there's a character called Arlie, and she has to choose between her male suitor, Frederick, and her female maid, Dolky. And she can also choose both or neither. Which is which is in itself pretty cool. But the objection that her parents have to Dolkey isn't that she's a woman, but that she's an orc. Yeah. Um I just I just loved that. I got there and was like, Okay, it's fantasy racism, but it's just the fact it wasn't homophobia that was the objection. It was the fact that she was an orc and she was lower class because she was a maid rather than a Breton noble. And it was just yeah, I don't know. I don't. Um,
3: for me, uh, the biggest thing uh, in Elder Scrolls on this subject was uh, Skyrim's uh, marriage system where it just simply didn't care who you wanted to marry. Uh, all the candidates that were available to you would be available to you regardless of your own character's gender and theirs. Uh, I And... This isn't a big deal in Scram at all. Like, it's never brought up as like, oh, that's, uh, like, you don't have to, uh, do anything else special. It's just like, yeah, this is just how this world is. We are okay with this in this world. Uh, we all accept each other for loving who they want to love. Uh, that, I'm not explaining it well, I think, but I think that... That simple message that this is a world where anyone is allowed to love who they want to love was very powerful with me. It's stuck with me for quite a while.
2: Yeah, I thought that was very well said, AKB, and I completely agree. And I I found that out by accident when I was playing Skyrim. I did not know ahead of time.
3: Exactly. It's not an issue in... fourth era skyrim and like when we we talk
0: about it too like yes it would have been much better as we're talking about games from the past versus how we look at them through a modern lens and yes it would have been better if there was more representation in the game that 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 like the npcs there was more gay npcs or lesbian Mm -hmm. npcs and things like that that would have been better
2: we can agree on that but the fact that there was at least this is Yeah, and to be able—I mean—you're creating your own character too in these mm-hmm. games. So the fact that you can project that onto the avatar you're playing is huge. I mean, more important to me than representation by other NPCs, so just the fact that I can do it myself, you know, is is huge. I love that, and um, that's other representation and and making it a part of the world is is great, but. The first step is letting me do it. You know? So I think that's yeah.
1: yeah. And then to that point, any representation that was positive in our past games should be celebrated, and then we should do better. Yeah, is right. my opinion. I think that's yeah, a,
0: that's kind of a great uh, model for all of it.
2: It's like yeah, yeah. it it's there's, it's good. Let's do better. Like that should just sure. always be the case. Like let's just do better. Yeah. There's yeah. There's no such thing as perfect. You know, it, there's just trying to do right by people and trying to do right by the community and and the world so
1: yeah listening to feedback listening to what they like what they didn't like respecting the community enough to like bring them into the conversation that's all that's that's, that's a big part Mm -hmm. of it big part i think
4: the other thing i wanted to talk about was before the show we were talking about the thieves guild dlc and the characters in thieves guild um and that's something that's kind of interesting in what sense well, well that you have a lot of a representation lot of, there. Yeah. And there's both <laughs> the there's both the overt representation, where you've got, for example, the West Um a Faded Flower, where you're reuniting former girlfriends Velsa and Narani. You've got uh Zyra, Z- Z- Zyra, the, uh, the 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 guildmaster who has I don't know big lesbian energy. She's she's a woman, She's pow- powerfully built. She's got very short hair, um, and yeah, I mean she doesn't explicitly say, "Hey, I like women," but but she's got that she's got that energy there. You've got uh, Walk Softly, who is swishy, swishy. I Maybe has I
3: swishy.
4: Swishy is <laughs> a good word. very he's <laughs> a very he's a very, it's a very feminine male character now he might be as straight as an arrow i don't know but you can see him and see something of yourself
0: Um, and um the other one that's oh go ahead no no no. well the one i'm thinking is is i love the way that um the thieves guild quest dealt with like kind of toxic masculinity too like the marriage thing when you're or through the oh, wedding yeah. thing and you're like, who do I take to get married to take on a date to the wedding? And like you talk to oh, you talk to one. They're like, no, I'm, I'm gay. I don't like you. And then like you talk to Quen, and she was just like, I don't see you that way. And it was like really interesting because like as you're you're playing the game, you're kind of set up to be like, oh, okay, this is gonna be the thing. And there's gonna be a bit of like a romantic story here. You're gonna take Quen to the wedding and then maybe she's gonna fall in love. And she's just like, No, don't don't like that at all. Could you give me some space for a while? And I'm like, that's kind of nice to see that as as too, like outside of just like the queer representation. It was like it was nice to address that. Like, you don't like not everybody is going to be interested in you at all the time. Like stop expecting that.
4: Yeah. And when you uh when you go to pick up your formal clothing for the for the wedding, you can pick up a suit or a dress. Yeah. And they t- the other characters tell you you look great. And yeah. that was a making me cry moment. <laughs> and you've got as well the the asexual representation from Perseus Slock, the, uh, the tailor. Yeah. And I'll read out what he says. He says, I once served Magnifica for Laura. I confess she became infatuated, but I could not possibly return her feelings. And then you as the player say, someone else, and goes, no, and there never will be. Needle, thread, and bolts of cloth are more fulfilling than time spent with any person. And it's just, it's just, just the Thieves' Guild is is just amazing. I love it.
2: Yeah, the Thieves' Guild is an exceptional pack in for in every respect gameplay the narrative like it's really 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 good yeah even beside all that i was like the
0: i just loved it because the world wasn't ending (laughs) like i loved everything about the thieves guild was just so well done and i think yeah i think they did a great job with representation of different different folks in that one too
1: yeah i mean you can't have every gay character have a boyfriend or girlfriend or something other um so i i think yeah so like just like having the uh, maybe like a feminine uh man character who like people maybe like somebody could see themselves in or having a more butch woman who like lesbians can see themselves like it's just as important, I think, you know, like uh, to just have those types of characters and everybody's a manly man. Everybody's like a girl. Like you you can have those too, but Mm -hmm. like, you know, and I I always have said to uh, ESO players, like if it's your headcanon, sure, it could be possible. You know, if if, if you think that a certain character is transgender, you think a certain character is gay, it could possibly be like true. I'm not going to tell you otherwise because, you know, headcanons are really important to people and that's just something that I think is really cool about the game that like, yeah, in this world they could be.
4: <laughs> yeah, one of one of the things that's that's very interesting actually about trying to write bisexual characters in particular is it's gonna be really hard within something like a short quest because uh, it's such a short time frame that the only real way to say all oh, this character's bisexual is either is either if they talk about it, you know, talk about their past, or they've got two lovers of different two or more, actually. If you look at Dietschy she News, she's got three three lovers on the go of, of different genders. And it's like, well, okay, but not all bisexuals are polyamorous. You know, there's plenty of yeah. monogamous bisexuals out there. So that's something which, you know, as a bi person, I notice and think, hmm.
0: I'm just trying to, does you flirt with women as well?
4: She flirts with them.
0: Oh, yeah, that's what I figured Yeah, Okay. Yeah, because I'd only played through DC stuff on a male character and I don't remember. And she
4: tells an erotic story or an erotic... Um, Fantasy about a woman as well.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean plus we have the whole uh uh smolder scrolls that we could
5: just <laughs>
4: that was classic. That was uh, very, very clever. Dre, you probably missed that. Um they did on the website like a dating simulator.
0: With uh and... Razumdar, Daryu, and Darian. Oh gosh,
4: yeah.
2: I did miss that. I'm it sorry was... I did. I think you could still go back and play. I think it's still it. think there. It's still yeah. there. <laughs> I'll check it out. It's Smolder hilarious. Scrolls, you called it. Smolder Scrolls, it. yeah. That's great. So I will
1: say, I so I actually helped concept that out. I wasn't there when <laughs> they actually did it, but Smolder Scrolls was mine.
5: Uh, that's <laughs> awesome. That that's <laughs>
1: I so wanted, great. I just not you could go down in history that I came up with the name Smolder <laughs> that's
0: Scrolls. That's so good. Oh, Smolder Scrolls was so fun. <laughs> that was the most unexpected thing I'd seen. That like I just like woke up. I was like I just remember almost spitting at my drink, laughing. It was so good.
2: Oh the design yeah. the site design is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a look at that later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I think that that's important what you were talking about. I mean, just different cuz I mean having all the gay characters paired off, I mean that that's that doesn't reflect reality either. That's unrealistic so, as well, yeah. So, you know, it it's all about balance and what you do with what you do with these different characters and just the different, um, I don't know, just balance. It's
4: well, just the amazing. ultimate point is that people who are LGBTQA, as far as you want to take the letters, are people. Yeah. They're people yeah. first.
0: Right. Everybody has their own story. Like, it's just, di- diversity is just so important in something like this so that you can show these different stories because those stories, if you don't have the diversity of those characters, and, and, and when you're talking about staff, Like when you're talking about the people that are making these games, like if you don't have the diversity of the people in the back room, those stories just don't get told. If people don't know about the stories, and it's not necessarily a malicious thing or a intentional thing. It's like as me as a straight male, like I'm not... As going to be as good telling a story about a bisexual woman as someone who has experienced that and knows what's going on there it's good. they're going to have a better idea somebody from the community that's why diversity within writing rooms and within development is so important that you can actually have those people and then the stories are just aware
2: but I think a label jar is not people that's what they say right yeah,
5: yeah.
2: Is there anything
0: else that anybody wanted to cover before we sign off for the night? It's been a great episode. I've been very, I love this conversation and it's something that I think needs to happen even outside of Pride Month. We need to keep talking about this and making sure that it's its not a taboo topic. It's not something that we have to shy away from. Pride is celebrated in June, but it's something that happens all year long. So I'll take those crickets as everybody is happy with, oh.
1: Yeah i just oh, going to say thanks for having me. Well, oh, thank you. That's what I wanted <laughs> to do. Was, I wanted to thank
0: you and Drove so much for joining us. It's... Well, thank thanks. you for
1: writing so much great content. <laughs> yeah, You're thank
0: welcome. you. I'm uh, mm-hmm. enjoying it all.
4: Yeah, very, very excited.
0: Yeah, about... I appreciate you guys taking the time to come and talk to us about this. And it's uh, important. It's important for us to always talk about. It, and I hope that you'll join us again. Maybe not. We don't have to come just for topics on diversity. You can come anytime. Yeah. We appreciate I'd, you
2: guys. I'd love to. Thank you. This was great. Thank awesome. You.
0: Well, thank you so much. Well, on behalf of myself, the UESP Baratron, and everybody here, we want to thank our guests Tori and Dro, for joining us, as well as everybody in chat. And we hope that you guys enjoyed this conversation, and that you that it makes you think and it keeps everything right in your front of your mind as you go through your adventures in Nern. So goodbye, everybody. We hope you have a great night. Bye.